This is episode 21 of season 2, Trash Talking with Eco Warriors, featuring Florencia Gallino from Zootopia. You're tuning in to Trash Talking with Eco Warriors, where women share inspiring stories about their careers in green business, sustainability, and conservation. Here's your host and founder of Trashy Beauty, Barbara Lee. Hey, Eco Warriors. Thanks for tuning in on a holiday week. Look at you. Happy 4th to everyone. Independence is a really interesting thing to celebrate. And I think even more interestingly, it is something that I don't think we think about that often. What do you want to be free from? Your dependence on single-use plastic and the oil industry, or maybe having to buy your own foods and herbs? If you're interested in learning more about what you can grow in New York City, we're doing a trash talking event next week, Thursday on July 11th at 6.30 p.m. It's a private rooftop tour of Brooklyn Grange and the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Public tours are usually $18, but just for you listeners, the tour with drinks, bites, and a take-home gift will be $15. Visit TrashyBeauty.com or click on the link in the show notes. We've sold almost half of the available spots, so get yours before they're gone. We can't wait to drink and learn more about rooftop farming with you all. Speaking of rooftop farms, our guest today is herself the founder of an urban farm that started in Mexico and has now expanded to her homeland of Argentina. In the heart of Buenos Aires, Flor has created a business that helps others to grow their own food on their rooftops or whatever space you have available to you. It's called Citopia. And as idealistic as Zootopia sounds, Flora still had her share of challenges and triumphs that she had to face. And it was so interesting to hear about how she went from being the head of social responsibility for Converse to changing her diet to being vegan, and then ultimately starting her own urban agriculture business. Without further ado, let's get trash talking. Welcome to Trash Talking. Hi, thank you. Awesome. So if you could describe yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is that you do, that'd be great. My name is Florencia. I was born in Argentina and I lived in many countries. Recently, I lived in Mexico and I started there with a friend, an urban agriculture project. What we do is basically we grow food. We grow organic food in the middle of the city, mostly in pots. And we also inspire other people to start growing their own food at their homes. So what's the name of the project and how did it get started? The name is Citopia. It was inspired by a TED talk that we we watched with my friend that talks about, it's actually Citopia, it's a compound word, and it talks about how food should be the center of the city, that cities should be built around their food system. And it started because we were curious about our food and where it came from, and we realized that the way we we were eating had a very big impact on the environment. So like four or five years ago, we, we changed to a vegan diet, but it wasn't enough. We, we actually wanted to do more. So we wanted to understand what it took to grow food. And it started in Mexico City in 2016 uh, with this dream. Uh, it was actually a concern that became a dream. And it, we just started our own, our own big farm together with no like ambition of, of making it a project. And then we realized that other people were getting inspired by our project because we were we started making like this big uh, dinners with our friends, uh, with our harvest because we had a lot of harvest. We didn't know what to do with it, mm-hmm. so we were we would make this 
big parties and we would invite people to, to eat like this really fresh salads, like um, harvested in the moment and organic. And people were like discovering the flavors of food. So friends started asking us to build their farms, their urban farms or their small there are small farms in their homes, and we, we realized this could be our project. Cool. Which part of Mexico are you in? I'm actually now in Buenos Aires. I'm in Argentina, but the project started in Mexico City, and it's still going there with my ex-partner. <laughs> in Mexico City, now it's in Buenos Aires, and we have both cities. And in both places, we have an urban farm that is public, where um, we receive a lot of people, we give a lot of workshops, um, the project kind of evolved in education mostly. We also install and we build urban farms, but we we devocate and we we put the most effort in educating and inspiring people to start growing their own food. Cool. Okay, so tell me like what that looks like. So like if I came to you and I was like, Hey Flora, like I'd love to I live in the middle of New York City and I'd love to grow my own food and I have like this small like fire escape balcony that I'd love to like grow yeah. something on like what, would, what what happens from there well the first thing I would ask you is um how much sun is your window receiving or your or your balcony or your wherever you want to put your plants yeah because you can actually grow anything okay well it's southwest facing so I get quite a bit of sun okay so you have the idea, because a lot of people do not even know, like, if it faces the south or the <laughs> east or the west. It's true. In the cities, we're very lost. Like, we do not know where the sun comes out. Like, I always <laughs> ask in my workshops, do you know in your house how the sun comes out? And more than half of the people do not know. And I, I always tell them, because this is your homework. You go home today and you find <laughs> out where you're standing in the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the first question. Like, how much sun do you receive? And okay. in in and from there you decide which plants you can put because you need like more sun from for some plants and mm -hmm. you need less sun for others so that's like the first step and then well we like if you come to a workshop we teach you how to make like the perfect soil for plants okay. um, it's a mixture it's organic always and which seeds you can use which with which plants you start that are easier and then you can get a little more complex we also ask you what do you eat because you're not gonna like if you don't like broccoli then <laughs> don't put broccoli there or if you love lettuce well go for lettuce it's it also has to do with your diet and what you like eating um and we also usually ask um how much time do you have per day to dedicate to your garden or to your balcony or your plants because that's also important because they're i mean they're plants and maybe they don't need as much maintenance as a pet like cat or a dog <laughs> but they still need you know to be taken care of they need to be watered and they need to be harvested or you need to give them a little time and they'll they're going to give you back a lot mm -hmm. cool give me some examples of some of the stuff that you guys started with in terms of like growing started with basically everything we bought so many <laughs> seeds and we got very excited and we even tried growing corn in a very small pot which was absolutely like impossible but we learned <laughs> we learned from our mistakes we learned a lot from our mistakes we grew tomatoes up the herbs like basil and arugula and um oregano all those also uh we grew melons and watermelons and on the pots, you can grow melons and watermelons really? and cucumbers and zucchinis, all those on pots. 
Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and of course all the leaves like lettuces and spin spinach. Yeah. And um, kale and broccoli and cabbage, all those too. Radish, um, also beets, carrots. We grew carrots also, and they're all organic. So you you have like a, a whole new variety of things that you do not find in the market, like you know colorful carrots, like purple carrots mm-hmm. or green tomatoes or. You know, a lot of things that maybe, maybe in New York you find more, but here in Buenos Aires, for example, like people go crazy when they see like a purple carrot. It's like, is that <laughs> organic or is that like completely like GMO? It's not, yeah. It's organic. Yeah. So yeah. I guess let's talk a little bit more about why this need was so important there. Why this need to to start the project? Yeah. Like, why was it so imperative for you to start this project? Like, why was it important? Well, like we were very conscious uh, about the industry and about how growing food it's becoming like very with a lot of chemicals um you can't find organic food that easily here in latin america in general and there's a a lot of chemicals to grow them so that was like a very big concern to start taking better care of our health through food no through through eating organic food and at the same time it had to do with reconnected thing with nature because we live in cities and sometimes you know you you barely are close to a plant maybe once a day or not even and to reconnect in with nature also helps in the city to slow down to understand cycles to listen to yourself um it was kind of also it became like a spiritual thing like also almost like a meditation when you're working with plants sometimes i spend i don't know four or five hours in the farm just working and doing my my chores and doing simple things with the plants and time just flies and i'm not thinking about anything and it becomes truly like a meditation and i'm very active and my thoughts are clean and my body feels clean and the work i'm doing feels right with that too like with not all not only for the fact that we're eating cleaner food but also for the fact that we're actually connecting to food through through being close to it and through giving our energy to food and receiving it back after when we eat it super cool and can you tell me more about like the the type of people that uh, like come to your project and the type of people who uh you have as like customers can you tell me more about like what that population looks like and what what are people like seeking like what are they looking for when they come to you yeah usually when we start a workshop i always like to hear like why why anyone got to the project what are their expectations do they have any experience with plants like i love hearing their stories and usually people like i always get a big percentage of people that have changed their diet it's like I changed my diet. I want to eat cleaner, but at the same time, like I don't find organic food or it's too expensive, and I want to grow my own food. So that's like a big part of the people that come to our workshops. Uh, on the other side, maybe a lot of couples come like for a project, like you know when a couple wants to like I don't know adopt a puppy. Well, they also want <laughs> to start growing their food, which is, I think it's a cool project for a couple. Yeah. Also, what I, we get a lot is. A pregnant woman or a woman that have recently have babies mm-hmm. and I think it's because you know it kind of you know they're so concerned about the world and the state of the world and they're actually like you know well I, I just brought a child to the world and I'm up or I'm about to and I want a better world and I want to give my child the best I could give it so um, I think that's also interesting you know a lot of pregnant women usually come to the workshops 
Yeah. And then, you know, older people that are interested in plants and or expe- with experience with plants. Yeah. Cool. Can you give me a sense of like how, how long the project's been running for and like how, how big it is and give me a little bit more history about how everything kind of came to where it is? Yeah, we started uh, formally, like we we started in September 2016 in Mexico City. We've given more than 40 workshops around Mexico and in Argentina now. In Mexico, now there are two farms there, two Citopia farms working. Here in Buenos Aires, I started last year. We, we landed here on November the 2018 and... That's where we started here with one farm and the idea is to keep growing it. And yeah, that's kind of how, how big it is now. Yeah. How big's the current farm? The current farm here in Buenos Aires is still small, maybe 10, 10 square feet. In Mexico, it's already pretty bigger, like at least 40 or 50. It's also both, uh, it, they're in rooftops. They're, it's all rooftop farm. Yeah. Yeah, super familiar here in New York City with rooftop farms because it's some of the only urban space that we kind of have access to for growing things. Yeah, and it's amazing. I, I read an article about New York City and about how to, how it would change the dynamics of the city if everyone that could grow their own food in the rooftops would do it. And I think it would, I don't know, by 30% was the number, it would, like, you would be getting... 30% less food into the city if you were eating from your rooftops. Mm. So it's an interesting percentage. Yeah. And it's awesome. I, I know we were chatting earlier about the fact that you've actually been to Brooklyn Grange, which we okay. just interviewed um, their head of programming and uh, we're doing a, par- a private tour um, later next month. So that's really exciting. Do you like, where did you learn about doing this type of farming and getting these ideas to even launch this project? first we took like a small course like the ones we give and then we got so excited that we wanted to learn more and our most important school was uh permaculture school um i don't know if you've heard about permaculture i mean like i've heard of permaculture but where's the specific school that you went to i went to two in mexico one is in another state that is not mexico city that's called guanajuato and then I went to the most important one in Mexico, that it's in Veracruz, that it's called Las Cañadas. It's uh, They've been working with permaculture for like 25 years, and they have an amazing project. I mean, you go there and you just, you want to stay to live there because everything is built around uh, permaculture. Like you have zero waste. Everything is like bioconstruction. They grow everything they eat. They have their own seed bank it's amazing and that's where I learned my best the best practices that I now I try to apply um in the project cool and have you visited many other rooftop farms around other countries and other cities now yeah I always try to visit like whenever (laughs) I travel I try to visit like the farms that are in in the city the first time i went to new york i tried visiting brooklyn's uh grant but you have to make an appointment and i didn't know so it was very <laughs> disappointing because i got to the door and they're like you can't get it i'm sorry you can't go to the roof and i was like no so i went to the, in the next um trip but yeah i always try like i went in colombia different cities in mexico in new york here in buenos aires i went to a few whenever i travel try to get to know the projects yeah cool Let's talk more about like the like yourself and the sustainability angle. Like why why was this project so important to you? Like what was your background before starting your own urban farm? <laughs> 
Well, before I I was always interested. I started uh, international relations, and I was always interested in um, environmental issues. That's why I changed my diet, and I was always very concerned about these things. And before I was head of the in Converse Converse shoes, I was head of the social responsibility area in in Mexico City. And we did a few things that had to do with environment, but we were mostly focused on social development, which was I always was very interested to, but I wanted to do something that had to do more with the environment. So when I changed my diet um, I w- and I started, you know, having this um, awakening maybe in my life because I realized that everything I did had a, a big impact on the environment and society, that's when I, I realized that I wanted to start a project on my own but I wasn't sure what it was before. It, before this, I was thinking about a vegan restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I told this friend that why don't we? She also went vegan. I was like, okay, yeah, I love it, vegan. Let's do something. And I told her why don't we start a restaurant? So we said yes. I want to. We want the restaurant to be sustainable for it to have its own farm in the rooftop. Mm-hmm. So we said, well, we have to learn how to farm. We have to learn how to. <laughs> Our food, so that's when we took this course and we started our own big um, farm, and it was very big. And we realized that this was a project by itself. That maybe later the restaurant could come along, but um, farming was um, the project that we actually loved, and we could turn it into our life project. What was the impetus, though? Like you said, that you were always interested in sustainability. Like, do you have a moment, or like when you were younger, do you have something that you know, like influenced how you thought about nature and sustainability? Um, I remember when I was young, I was I used to actually participate in a radio. Like it was a radio for kids in my hometown. That is a very small town in Argentina. And I remember that there I decided to create like a show that it was about environment and that I was, I would talk about, you know, different things I had to do with animals and with plants and the planet. And it was kind of like, yeah, when I was 10 and at that time I thought I wanted to be a vet, take care of animals, very attached to our all the pets i hadn't yet made the connection about eating meat and having pets but i was very close to animals i was always very concerned about nature and being out in nature i grew up in a small town we were always out it was like it's not even a city like a very very small town very close to nature in contact with nature we did have when i in my school in my elementary school in that town we did have a little farm in the school i remember growing lettuce when i was like um, seven or eight and i was very excited about it and we grew radish and lettuce and beets and we took them home and we ate them and it was very exciting yeah i remember like very being very in love with animals i remember we had a science fair and um a friend took a snake to the science fair she had found in her house and then i fell in love with the snake and i asked her to give it to me and i took it home to my mom and she was like take this back please i don't want to have this snake at home but yeah it was just like that or i would like find frogs and put them in my house or yeah (laughs) i think yeah how does your mom feel about your project now (laughs) now she loves it she loves she's like my number one fan and i'm building her she has a little hotel and um i'm trying to make it all sustainable for her so i'm 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 gonna build a little farm in the hotel and she loves it like she 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 really likes it (laughs) 
That's great. Yeah. And so when you were developing this project, um, I'd love it if you can talk a little bit more about like this connection between, you know, sustainability, the way that you eat and the, the kind of like lifestyle choices you make. Cause it sounds like the initial thing that you went for was it, it was a lifestyle choice more than anything, but you're right. It does very heavily impact the environment to even make a small switch, like eating locally. Yeah. I think like you said, the, it was a, a personal change that then started to become like the project started changing these small things like changing my diet changing what i eat changing what i eat depending on where it comes from learning about the seasons when do things grow when is the right time to be eating something um also started i started composting my food which was very revolutionary too because i didn't know that you could turn what people call trash into the most Mm -hmm. uh, nutritious soil in the world that was like amazing that was very also like very wake up for me and it was like small changes and it was a small small conscious consciousness changes that i think really changed me also in my like i think that also then translates to your relationships to your your your, you start searching for more real relationships or for more true relationships more connected um maybe more you know connecting through through the spirit and through things that have to with not superficial things that maybe you do when you're when you're younger and your teens you're not sure who you are what you want so you go with the flow and then and I think this was my 20s and I started actually really deciding who I wanted to be, who I wanted to be surrounded by, what I wanted to eat, how, what relation I wanted to have with the world and what impact did I want to make in the world. And it was this whole process of, of myself changing. At the same time, I decided that I wanted to spend most of the time I had, that it's usually what you spend at work, in something that truly fulfilled me. And that's how this became my life project. And so through all of the stuff that you've kind of done so far and like starting this project and then uh, starting several locations of it and everything, what's been some of the more difficult moments or the things that you've had to overcome through your journey? Well, I think one of the hardest things through a journey is having a partner because I I didn't know like how it was and we were I mean, we were really, really good friends. We still are very good friends, but it was very difficult to work with a friend. Uh, When you have a project that's not only a project, but a dream, there's many things that happen. There's egos that always go on and then you don't know how to fix things. And there's a lot of emotions because this person is your friend, but at the same time, she's your partner and you have business interests, but at the same time, you don't want to lose this person as a friend. So I think one of the the biggest things that we had to overcome together and it was beautiful because we we were able to uh it was this it was having this partnership and learning from each other i think we were each other's best teachers because we reflect reflected a lot of things in each other and we we had really good times but we were really hard times i think what that was one of them you know aside from the fact of the project itself and then in the project well at the beginning maybe we were seen kind of like with this hippie project, you know, oh yeah, these hippie girls and they like, this is not serious. So it was hard to show that it was true a project and it was a life project and it, it wasn't just, you know, a hobby or something that it was going to be, you know, a side project, but it was a true 
um, structured, with fully, you know, committed um, and convictions to it. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's something that, like, that's not <laughs> uncommon for me to hear from people who are on the show, actually. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Like, I always get the question, is this the only thing you do? Like, really, this <laughs> takes, like, my every day, like, I, I give this my whole soul, my whole life. Like, I work from Monday to Monday, and I'm always trying to make something new and better and Oh, yeah, this is all I do. That's so interesting. And so when you've had these, like, moments where you're, like, getting criticized or people are, like, not really getting <laughs> what it is that you're doing, how do you overcome those things? I always try to be compassionate cause, because I think uh, it takes some, it takes time for people to realize things. It took me time. I, I was not born like this and conscious and, you know, and I probably have a lot of things also to work on. So I always try to be compassionate. Um, I'm very patient. I like, for example, in Instagram, sometimes I get these messages that are kind of, you know, aggressive and not understanding the project or something that I shared. And I always try to be like, I always try to be compassionate that my friends laugh at me because sometimes I show them and they're like, how are you so patient with people? <laughs> but I, I think it's part of the project. I, I mean, we are trying to spread um, something that is beautiful and the only way to spread it is in a beautiful way. I, I can't find another way to, to spread it because it, then it would be like, it wouldn't make sense for me. So you have to be patient. Sometimes you just have to cut the conversation. Maybe you should say, maybe we don't understand each other, but it's okay. Like, don't like we can stop there, but always kind of be compassionate and with love and with respect. That's what I try to do. Do you have like a specific story? Because I'd love for you to share because I think especially because like you're saying this, I've heard other people say this and I've even faced it. Um, I'd love to hear like a specific story of like how you addressed like a situation. <laughs> yeah, for example, I I always like I have this free uh, guide that I send for anyone that can that asks for it. You can ask me like I want a free basic growing guide that I wrote it and I designed it and I just send it by email but sometimes I have a lot of things to do and I don't send it right away it takes me maybe a day or two or even a week or even two weeks so this person asked me and I told her yeah I will send it to you don't worry like I always answer every single uh, message that I receive I always answer it and so I mean maybe three days passed and she was very stressed that she hadn't received it and I was like yeah I'm sorry I I have, I've been doing other things. I will send it to you. And, and so she had maybe another two days passed and I hadn't sent it either. And she was, she got aggressive, like in an aggressive way. And I, I was okay. Breathe, just answer. Maybe this person, I thought this person is going through something bad. Yeah. I like, I mean, you're getting a free uh, guide from somebody. <laughs> yeah. If you're asking it for an aggressive ways, because you're probably going through something bad. So I answer like, don't worry, you receive it. Uh, please understand. And this is a free thing I'm giving you. So yeah, I, I ended up sending it to her, of course. But I but I was like, wow, right? A little overwhelmed by message. And I get those messages sometimes. Well, so what's been the moments that have gotten you through all of those hardships or like the difficulties that you've had? Like, what keeps you going day to day? I think being um, in the farm, <laughs> I think just being there and then growing my food and enjoying it so much and sharing with people. I do always get a lot of messages of gratefulness too. And that is very, um, 
that makes me very, very happy. And I appreciate them a lot. And I thank the people that send them a lot because it, it keeps me going. But yeah, when a lot of people send their first harvest, and that's so exciting. Or their kid eating from the garden or pictures. And, and actually, I want to open like this new account that's like Citopia community, basically to share all those stories because they're beautiful stories from people that maybe got inspired by the guide or a workshop or a post or something that sparked them. And they're sharing with us a lot of their stories. So I think that keeps me going and always going back to the garden because sometimes these projects usually start taking up a lot of time uh, in the computer or doing ad admin stuff and then you kind of forget where it came from and why you started it. So for me, it's super important to always go back to basics and just grow my food and harvest my carrot and have it for dinner. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that's awesome. Do you have any like really funny stories or anything crazy that's happened throughout the years? Other than obviously what you've already described. <laughs> well, yeah, one of the, I think one funny story is one of the person that went to a workshop in, in Mexico City. He was the owner of a school for kids, like from for kids from two to six years old. And he kind of completely fell in love with the project. And he told me and my partner like, I want you guys there giving workshops to the kids every week, all the time. I want a big garden for the kids. We told him, okay, we're, we have never given classes to kids. Uh, we have no experience at all. We don't know how it's going to go because we don't even have kids ourselves. He's like, I don't care. I want you there, blah, blah, blah. So we went, we, we built this beautiful big garden and we started giving workshops to kids from three, from two, three to six. And it was like once a week, like 70 kids, like seven zero kids of that age. And they wouldn't come all together. They would come like every half an hour, like a group of 10 would come. And it was just crazy. Like we, we, we didn't know what, like it, it was just so overwhelming because we were not good teachers for kids. They would just come in and start like going crazy inside. We like all the time, all we tried to do was like, try to get them together to to pay attention and to listen but they were in the garden they just wanted to play with the dirt and go with the plants and go crazy and i mean and we did they, we would just laugh it was funny I, like we enjoyed it a lot and they enjoyed it a lot we kind of started like getting the hang of it and understanding the kids and starting how to teach them uh but it was just that day in the week we did it, like for a year it was the most, like, it was the funnest day, but we would end up absolutely dead. Like, after that, I truly respect teachers that teach young kids. Because before, maybe I wasn't so aware of how much energy it takes up to teach, like, young kids. And after that, for me, it was like, I learned so much from that. And it was just, I have like funny stories of kids, things like, oh, what does, what, what do you think it's growing up there? Pizza or things like that, you know, the ideas they have in their heads or they don't even like when we started the classes, they had no idea where food came from. And they, at the end, like, obviously it was amazing because you no, know, like every kid had harvested a tomato and a carrot and they knew exactly where it came from. It was like, it was an amazing experience to work with kids and, and the farm. I've actually I've actually heard that several times where you're like kids will just be like cool so this is is this the pizza tree and you're like really yeah like, <laughs> yeah and yeah it's really funny. Yes. it's yeah. amazing 
Yeah, I mean, at the same time, like, I think the best thing about, like, having kids is, like, kids aren't afraid to get their hands dirty, you know? Absolutely. Because it's not dirty. For them, it's just fun. Like, we right. have this idea that dirt is dirty, mm -hmm. but for them, it's just having fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How should people look up information? How can people, like, support your project if they feel inclined or get in contact with you? Um, we have a website that is www.citopia.com.r, uh, R for Argentina. And then we have social media. We are on Instagram that it's citopia.r uh, for Argentina. In Facebook, it's just Citopia. I'll make sure that I put links in the show notes for anyone who is interested in checking it out. But yeah, it sounds like a super amazing project, and I'm glad that we got a chance to connect and to Thank hear you. more about your story. Thank you so much for being interested and for sharing all these stories around the world about amazing women. I've heard other, other episodes, and I, I was very inspired by Darn, I can't believe pizza doesn't grow on trees. But if you did enjoy hearing Flora's story and you feel inspired to start growing something yourself, you'll also love getting inspired at our private tour of the rooftop garden at Brooklyn Grange on July 11th. Join us for drinks, an Instagram-worthy view of the city, and inspiration as Michelle Kaufman from episode 20 gives us a tour of the 1.2-acre working farm. Visit the link in the show notes or our website at TrashyBeauty.com. We can't wait to see you there. Events like these are great because it gives you a chance to connect with others in the community and learn about the green projects that are happening right here and changing the landscape of New York City. Plus, we'll have rescued food from Food for All and Cascara drinks from Nomad Trading Company and some wine from our favorite, Proud Pour. The farm also has an incredible view of the Manhattan skyline, so come to take some pictures, enjoy some drinks, and learn about farming. If the content that we create here on Trash Talking inspires you, become a sponsor. For as little as the cost of a cup of coffee a day, which is $2.99, and that's what you pay per month, you can help to spread the stories of more eco-warriors and help spur others to action. If you're like me, it's so vitally important to ensure that our dollars are going towards the things that we care about. So make sure you're living your values and become a sponsor today. Tune in again next week where we'll have more inspiring stories from eco-warriors around the world. Enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Everybody stay safe and hydrated. I've been your host and producer, Barbara Lee. Thanks for listening and stay green. Thanks for talking dirty with us. Tune in next week for more trash talking with eco-warriors. For more inspiration, follow us on Instagram at Trashy Beauty Co.